Hey everyone and welcome back to The Culture is Black, a podcast series dedicated to spotlighting black creatives. I'm your host Jennifer, culture editor at the influencer intelligence platform Cork, and in this season we'll be exploring all things TikTok. So, let's get into it. In the past couple of episodes, we got to hear from talent on TikTok who took us through both their journey and experiences on the app. But to round up the season, I wanted to do things a little bit different and offer some much needed insights for brands looking to work with black talent in this space. Joining me to provide this is my friend Tanya Nyamazawo. Tanya is an account manager at the advertising agency MNC Saatchi and co-chair of the Heritage Network there. This is an employee-led network aiming to increase inclusivity for ethnic minorities. In this episode, we share what we've learned from TikTok so far, our thoughts on how brands can do better and why digital platforms also need to hold some sort of accountability. But before we get into this, I just want to emphasise all thoughts expressed in this episode are our own. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you for having me. So in past episodes, I got to speak to Bash the Entertainer, Nifer and Regina, who were all quite big in the Black British TikTok scene. And I thought the interview was quite interesting because one thing that I kind of took away from like speaking to them was how important community was. Because I think quite often, especially in the past years, when we see like digital stars or content creators, we often focus on America. And I thought it was quite interesting to see how the Black British content creators have kind of formed their own little community um, and are helping each other. I thought that was really, really cute. Yeah. It's nice that you always, I feel like, yeah, you always see that sense of community between them and you're like, oh, these two are collabing, but they genuinely seem like friends. Exactly. And I think that's something that we have as a bit of an advantage here in the UK. I feel like the people that we actually do see in these collabs, other than like, you know, agency created collectives like the Wave House, I feel like are more genuine, like those relationships are more genuine. And that's why their content does so well. Like, especially with the dancers, like Regina and Nife and even like Sophia, I just feel like you can just see that they're good friends because it, it carries out into their their synchronization when they dance. And I think that's really, really important. And I would even say to brands, that's quite an important thing to have when you're working with influencers or more than one influencer. I think take into account their ecosystem and who they're friends with or who they've collaborated with to create really good, authentic content because people can see through the relationships. I know I definitely can. <laughs> definitely. And I think that's a good point. And I think brands will start to look at that a little bit more. Even when you see like Love Island and yeah. Liberty and Kaz and the way everyone is like, please get these two a deal. Yeah. It's not like just take them separately or with their partners. It's like, we want to see this friendship living out commercially in brand deals. Exactly. So I definitely think that's something people should do more of. Exactly. And not enough brands take um, hold of that. Like even with, I think the Love Island example is good because even with Yuande, Anna and Amber, they had like a mm. brief podcast stint with yahoo but i just felt like i didn't see much anywhere else especially mm. with like you know fast fashion collaborations i just didn't see that like they were obviously quite a significant trio in the house or in the villa rather and yet it wasn't sort of replicated commercially which i think yeah. is kind of like brands kind of took a loss on that i don't think they realized that such a missed opportunity 
Yeah. And even if you look at like the success of the press podcast, yeah, with, like Nella, Adiola, and Mariam, like it's doing so well. And it's just because like when you listen to them talk, it's like actual friends speaking, not just random influencers you've like forced together to have a conversation. Exactly. And yeah, it just carries through really well. It's perfect. Like well done to BBC Sounds for getting them on that podcast. Like mm. I genuinely think it's, it's one of the best lineup. news. Honestly, honestly, because I watch. I literally watch all of their videos on YouTube and I'm just like, these lot are just so funny. I don't understand how they don't have a podcast. So yeah, that was a great move. So Tanya, do you, do you watch TikTok? Yes, I do. (laughs) I am a TikTok fan. I'm borderline obsessed. (laughs) You know, when you see that advert where it's like, you've been on TikTok for a while, maybe stop scrolling. (laughs) I'm like, why do you keep showing me this? Wow. Are you, okay. Another question. Are you team TikTok or are you team Vine? Oh, that is a good one. That is a good one. Previously, I would have said I'm team Vine. Wow. But as I think about it, I actually think that TikTok's, it's it's, it's learning. I think it might be doing (gasps) a little bit better than Vine, you know? Wow. I'm personally offended. I feel like... (laughs) I know you love Vine. I love Vine. You love Vine Vine. till I die. Honestly, even going to meet Vine stars. (laughs) (laughs) Meet and greets and Vine stars. Please don't expose my life. That was an old time in my life. (laughs) It was a different time. We were young. We were young. We were young and naive. We were. But I feel like sometimes we're a little bit wrapped up in the nostalgia of Vine. Mm. and of like how we remember you know it's that thing where it's like you know you're, you're always going to remember like the past is better than it was because it's not there anymore yeah but I think when I don't know sometimes when I think about Vine I'm just like the forced comedy of it or the fact that I don't feel like maybe smaller Viners really got the opportunity to shine I felt like it was that kind mm. of whole group of like King Batch, Lily yeah. Pons, all these guys that would like collab together and it was almost just like gatekeep that you couldn't really crash into the market and do really well at a point and I feel like TikTok's a bit different I think you can be quite small and it can be so random but your stuff can go viral and you can blow up and it can be about anything and everything it doesn't just have to be comedy and there's no blueprint or formula so I quite like that about TikTok yeah a bit of an edge for me yeah I think I agree with you on that sense I think TikTok has been sort of modified to adapt and cater to its creators whereas that's what was a major downfall for vine like Mm. i think the creators of the platform didn't really acknowledge how much of its success was down to the fact that they had these amazing like entertainers and i think tiktok has obviously learned from that and they're really trying to utilize that to an extent of course but i think that's obviously why it's proven to be so successful and then because of that algorithm that makes it so much easier for people to blow up it's just like in a lot of people's eyes perfect but i don't know i think i like vine because i think i think it's more it was more authentic it produced more authentic content whereas i think sort of that idea that oh i can go viral on tiktok and really become this like star is getting to people too much. And so like the content to me um, on occasion sometimes feels forced and I don't like it. Mm. And then also yeah. even the platform itself is making all these changes that 
I just think in the long run can actually be quite damaging, like even expanding its length to three minutes, which and potentially expanding it to 10 minutes is kind of ridiculous when obviously you have a platform like YouTube that that's there for long form content. And I think the essence of short form is for the content to be snappy, quick entertainment, not another YouTube, you know, or another IGTV. I agree. Because yeah. I feel like that's part of the reason why TikTok does so well. Because it's like, I don't have to focus. I don't have to think too much. Like, you know, when you're scrolling on Twitter and you see a three minute video and you're like, oh, versus oh. <laughs> like a 30 second one. And that's what TikTok had. It's easy to digest. You just watch it quickly onto the next one. Your mind is somewhere else. And I like that about it. Exactly. And I think making it long form loses the essence of what TikTok is. Exactly. Um, so, yeah bad idea how it came about yeah I completely agree and I think I kind of want to move on as well into like TikTok and how it caters to its black creators specifically like I think it's great for catering to you know like some of its top creators on the platform but in terms of like catering to black creators as a whole I actually think TikTok is quite bad at that and I know that they, you know, putting initiatives to sort of make it better, but I just think how many times do black creators specifically have to complain or go on a strike or... Yeah. Because I do think at the end of the day, a lot of the app success is down to black creators. And so I wonder how they're going to actually try and listen more to their black creators. And I don't know. I feel like part of the problem is within the tech itself. Mm. Like we've seen so many examples across the internet of how like software companies, social media companies and their algorithms just don't cater to black people very well. Like, I don't know if you remember a few months ago, maybe it was even a year ago where people did that experiment on Twitter where you would have a picture with like a bunch of like white and black faces and it would constantly only preview white faces. You could have six black people in a photo, one white person, and it would only show the white person and you could switch the positions around, do loads of different tests and you would see that it would, still favor white faces over black faces and I've seen people complain about the TikTok algorithm as well and it's like why is it on my for you page I have to keep scrolling to find black creators or if I'm looking at a specific challenge I have to scroll really hard to find the original all black creatives on it and it's like Mm -hmm. I think they definitely need to take a look into that and see what biases might exist in their software that they might not be aware of yeah um, that is not even showing us these black creators in the first place I agree because during the resurgence of Black Lives Matter last year, I remember a lot of creators felt like they were suppressed at a time where obviously they needed the platform the most to obviously Mm. spread awareness and, you know, express a sort of activism on the app. And I think under the hashtag Black Lives Matter, I think a lot of videos were being shadow banned. Um, And so it created this whole thing. And even though TikTok did apologise, I just think, why was it like that in the first place? Like, mm. if this didn't come up, like, would things have ever changed? And why does it always have to be that way in order for us to evoke some sort of change? Because it does get very frustrating. And it's like, it's only an issue if it becomes a widely publicised issue. And because if it wasn't, then, like, no sort of action would be taken. But then it gives me the question, like, what do you think platforms like TikTok and even Twitter and YouTube and Instagram should be doing in order to not protect 
black creators because I don't think platforms can really protect any form of creator but I don't know just do better with Mm. no longer discriminating or shadow banning black creators in particular I think the first thing they need to do is be proactive instead of reactive Mm. like you just said I feel like it's constantly the case with big brands and social media companies unless specifically black people come out and say this is wrong we're not going to stand for this we're going to strike we're going to boycott you they won't do a thing Mm. and I think it's just really disheartening for us to constantly have to be in this cycle of we have to constantly fight like why can't you just see that there's an injustice going on or people aren't being served the justice that they deserve and then try and do something why aren't there teams dedicated to I mean there's user experience teams Maybe they should start looking at user experience teams for certain groups, especially groups that are so valuable to their products and that they can see are struggling and that aren't happy about things. I think that's a a really great place to start. Maybe they do have them, but maybe it's just not being seen as a priority. Mm. Um, But I think they really need to look at it in the same way that they'd say, okay, if we have the like button here, we can increase engagement by this amount. I think they need to have teams that are like, we have this, this group of users that are really unhappy. And if we don't sort it out, then it will result in this loss to our brand, this loss to our engagement. But I don't think they look at it like that. Mm. Um, But I definitely think they should start from from that point. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think if a particular group or a particular community are raising awareness on a certain issue that is affecting them, they need to be proactive immediately. Like I, I don't understand why there's always this initial hesitance as if like something's gonna something bad's gonna happen if they decide to do this or do that and it's the same with brands I feel like with campaigns there's always this hesitance when working with like black creators in case that they lose a certain target audience but then I feel like you're already losing out on a really fruitful audience or market as we've seen with for example Mm. channel four's black to front like there's value in the black audience so I don't understand why there's always this hesitance yeah and I think they just have to take the risk sometimes and really Mm. stand for what they believe like if you look at the Sainsbury's Christmas advert and how featuring a black family got so much uproar so many people in their comments saying I will never shop at Sainsbury's ever again but it's like take the risk because at the same time you will have 20 people saying that you'll have 50 people saying because of this I will choose Sainsbury's exactly um and so, yeah, I think they just need to to be strong, be confident. Yeah. You're not going to be able to please everybody in this world. So, yeah. Stand on the right side of history. It's true. Please. Oh, my gosh. And also, I just feel like, okay, with brands and TikTok campaigns especially, I feel like they never, well, not never, but I feel like quite often they don't seem to get it right. And I don't understand why it's so hard to get it right. I feel like with brands and campaigns, what is actually quite worrying as well is sort of like the discrepancy between Black influencers and white influencers. I think talking to Bash in the first episode of this season was really interesting because I think he shed a light on sort of like the stark difference between how much a white influencer with the same following the same sort of engagement or maybe even slightly lower would get paid more than him, which I find Mm. absolutely insane. And I, obviously I'm not surprised, but obviously I'm still disappointed, you know? Mm. Um, 
And I just wonder why that is still a thing, especially with brand campaigns and why it's so important for black people and people of color and white people to be talking about how much they're getting paid when it comes to campaigns. Definitely. And I think that just shows you that brands are basically saying we inadvertently value you less like black creatives. We value you less, even though on paper, your statistics may show that you should be valued higher than other people. Um, And I think it does come down to people within those companies having to check their own bias. I think that's how it seeps into a lot of this stuff. If people aren't willing to figure out or sit down and think, why am I willing to pay a creative who has got less of an impact than a black creative who's got more more of an impact? Like, why is that? Um, And I think those conversations really need to be had in those spaces, but they're not being had, Um, which is why I think we're seeing a lot of this discrepancy. I think part of it is because there is a bias to thinking that certain creatives are more palatable, they're more relatable, they're more marketable. And I think these are some of the things that brands might be placing importance on. And then it's that importance that they're placing on these things are being shown in the pay discrepancy, which is all part of the bias, sadly. Yeah, I think it's also just quite frustrating because like you said, I think one word that kind of struck out to me was, you know, being palatable because I think it goes back to this whole way of kind of cultural appropriation on the app and even in the entertainment industry as a whole, how a black dancer can create a sort of challenge or some sort of content or some, some sort of trend. And let's say, a white creator who has slightly more followers can sort of just deflect that whole challenge, that whole originality and create it and make it as though it's their own. And I think that's very Mm -hmm. frustrating sometimes because I think when it comes to brand campaigns or even like inviting people onto media powerhouses or shows or stuff like that, seeing the white influencer is because it's more palatable to the audience. I find it interesting also how... Kiara Wilson, who created the Savage Challenge to Megan The Stallion song, um, has copyrighted her dance moves. Mm-hmm. I find this really interesting just because I genuinely didn't know. I might sound stupid, but I just didn't know you could copyright dance moves. So oh, I actually yeah. find it very interesting that I guess obviously following the this ongoing issue on TikTok, which is pretty much reflective of every other industry, how she... Well, she didn't actually initiate it, actually. An organisation, I believe, or another choreographer teamed up with Logitech to help support 10 creators of colour in copywriting their dance moves, which I think is really, really interesting. But I just wonder, I just wonder the technicalities of it all and how it works, because I do know a lot of people are like, their response is, okay, let's just copyright it. But I feel like not everyone has the means to go down that route, number one. And number two... I just feel like, doesn't that complicate things even more? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I yeah. that's why it's just, it's so unfair, but I feel like brands, the people with the power and the money should really be acting responsibly um, mm. because not everybody is going to be able to, like you said, copyright their stuff. Like if you look at the young lady, her name escapes me, who had, what was it? Lizzo's song. Oh, she wrote the yeah. first line I'm of that bitch, song. Or was it, yeah. I'm not, I can't remember her name which is very unfortunate it was I remember she was in a clubhouse room talking about it and how she had to get a lawyer a music lawyer to help her I hope I'm not misquoting her 
but a music lawyer to help her figure out how much she should even be getting for writing that song and the compensation of, you know, having a hit song that she contributed to, but not receiving any money in songwriting fees. Wow. Um, but if she didn't have, you know, that support on Twitter where people were like, she co-wrote this song essentially and hasn't been given any credit. If she didn't have people reach out to her to give her help and advice, it would have been another person that was kind of done dirty by the big dog, sadly. Yeah. I agree. So the copywriting conversation is a very interesting one, but I think, as is with a lot of things, it will only help those with a lot of exposure or privilege. Mm. And you'll end up with some creators that, again, get swept by the wayside. Exactly. So I feel like it's just difficult. It's very difficult to navigate. And obviously this has been going on for such a long time that I don't really know how we completely navigate this whole thing. I think what we said about community is obviously one way that is proving to work right now. But as we've sort of spoken about throughout this episode, it's just the platforms and brands just need to do better in general and mm. take more of a bigger step. Will they? But it's frustrating because it's like, this is an opportunity for a brand to work with, you know, black talent, someone who is obviously emerging, who is just as good or doesn't even have to be emerging and kind of put their name out there. And I just, I just, I don't know, I find it frustrating that it's the same cycle over and over and over again. Like, I think the Addison Ray example is like one of the best because it was just like, you got someone who like, okay, she's the second or third most followed person on TikTok to perform popular dances on TikTok, but they were created by black people and people of color. And it's sort of like, you didn't do your research. This could have been a great opportunity to have all these dancers, all these creatives in the studio and perform the dances that they've created and shed light on them and their hard work. But instead you chose to give it to someone who literally took their dance and made a horrible version for 10 seconds, posted it. And it's like, people just need- And what annoys me the most about that is that it was the uproar that made them say, okay, yeah, no, let's invite them in. (laughs) It's like that same thing of like, why were you not proactive enough? Why didn't you have teams that would think- how would this look? How yeah. would they react to this? And I think there is also, I mean, it'd be interesting to get your thoughts on this as well, but what role do people like Addison, Madison, sorry, Madison Ray and Charlie have oh, in Addison. passing the, what did I say? I don't know. <laughs> I think you said Addison, then you said Madison. Then he said Madison. <laughs> <laughs> but you were right the first time, I'm believe so in your thoughts. <laughs> I will do. <laughs> what role do people like Addison Ray and Charlie have in passing the baton on and being like, you know what, this is a great opportunity, thank you. But I didn't create this dance. Or could there be a segment where we're including people that actually created this? Yeah. Because I feel like they do hold a lot of power and influence. And they do have an opportunity to to pass on the mic, pass on the spotlight. But yeah, it definitely is on brands. Yeah, it is on brands. And I think because brands just need to do the research. It's really not that hard. Like it's not difficult. The whole point, I'm pretty sure they put a lot of effort in order to do the research for these campaigns. So why not put the same effort to do these research when scouring all this talent like it's not that difficult. If people on on Twitter can quickly, you know, find the creator of the renegade challenge then I'm sure you can like you as a brand can do that yourself Mm. um so in my opinion there's no excuse but in terms of like creators like white creators I think it's definitely also important for them to play a role in this as well like I think you're someone who has maybe like over 100 million followers on a platform 
you've seen a dance that's obviously gaining traction yet you fail to credit the originator of the dance challenge or the trend or whatever and I just think that's very irresponsible when you knowingly are aware of the influence that you have and I just think whenever someone is in a privileged sort of situation I just think why not use that for good why not use that to help other talent regardless exactly and it's the same with what you said with brands I feel like they should they they definitely will understand the power of the opportunities that they give to people yeah. um you know to advertise them to include them in these brands and these campaigns and like you said why not look further afield why not look at the people that are not being recognized and why not help them with those opportunities and that exposure exactly exactly and it's like you know you know where you got the dance from you know where you found it from like just just mm. like it's really really not that hard and I think all this conversation around dance challenges in particular on TikTok and like, you know, the Renegade um, by Jalea Harmon and even Savage and sort of like giving credit to these dancers. I love the fact that now when people create dance challenges and people recreate them, they now tag it like DC and then their at name. And I love the fact that I was speaking to Regina about this, how someone recreated one of her dance challenges. And I saw in the comments, because the person didn't tag her name in it, loads of people were like, you forgot to tag Regina. This is Regina's dance challenge. And I was just like, I kind of love that community now. It's sort of like, Mm. okay, let's no longer rely on the platform or even the people stealing these dances. Let's rely on the community to sort of speak for us and I think that's quite nice that there's sort of that community to lean into to sort of help credit your work I think that's really really like amazing to see yeah isn't that how which which dance was it was it renegade probably was it like the black twitter like basically yes when everyone was like no we're not gonna stand for this yeah (laughs) and then she finally got the flowers that she deserved she did but definitely wasn't she deserved more flowers but that's another conversation for another day (laughs) but I love that I love the fact that black twitter just rallied and were like nah hold up wait a minute these girls did not create the dance challenge it was Jalea Harmon Mm -hmm. like give her her credit I think that's amazing and I love that especially black people on social media are so quick to rally up and and do that like I love it I think it's amazing. Exactly. You saw the same with um, Addison, right? <laughs> on <laughs> Jimmy Fallon, where um, everyone started doing the side-by-side comparisons. Oh, of, my like, gosh. Maya Johnson, who, like, created the dance and her doing the dance. And it's like, why couldn't you invite these guys exactly. to do their own dance? Look at the exactly. talent. Look at the it's just so much, not to discredit Addison, but it's just like, obviously, when you're the originator of something you have that flair that someone who's copied it doesn't have. And it's so obvious. So I don't know. White creators, brands, they just need to do better. And I just think, you know, it's it's difficult though as well, because I do want to say like, obviously brands need to do better just to ensure like a, a better, more authentic campaign. But then at the same time, I do feel like brands sort of, what's the word? I don't want to say get off, but maybe like get off black outrage Mm. I just continue to believe that it's part of a marketing strategy because it it keeps conversation going yeah maintains that relevancy which is very frustrating because obviously in order for us to see a difference or see some sort of change we have to speak up but at the same time Mm -hmm. I feel like brands knowingly do things because they know we will speak up but they won't do anything about it because they know that 
if they mess up again, we're still going to speak up about it. Exactly. And then even when you kind of look at like the boycott, they don't last forever. I don't think yeah. it has the impact that we kind of hope it does sometimes. Yeah. Like if you take the black TikTok strike, I think it definitely did prove a point and it was talked about and it encouraged great conversation that needed to be had. But did it damage TikTok in any way? I don't no, think so. Not at all. I don't think so. No. And I think, I feel like as well, we forget that we're all in our own little like bubbles. Like I think like, even mm. though obviously it got a lot of press coverage, I do think there's probably a large proportion of TikTok users who weren't even aware of the strike. Yeah. And probably just went about Definitely. their normal day and <laughs> nothing even like, oh, TikTok strike. Uh, I didn't even, didn't even face them. Exactly. exactly. So, and I think that just shows the importance of like, Yes, we should continue to speak out, but we need these brands and these social media companies to partner with us. Like, we can't do it all on outrage. Exactly. Sadly. Exactly. Obviously, we've spoken about the Black TikTok strike and how that generated a lot of press coverage. It stirred up a lot of digital chatter. Um, and I think it's really important with these strikes that it gains a lot of wide or mainstream um, coverage. But I do worry about how these platforms sort of respond to it because I do feel like TikTok has been called out quite a lot and we're just seeing numerous apologies. Whereas with Twitch, for example, when marginalised creators on that platform boycotted for a day, even though Twitch initially came out with apology, we're starting to see them slowly take action by changing its refund policy. And even they took legal action, actually sued two creators for spouting hate. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on like, sort of like the platform's responsibility and reaction. I know we've kind of touched on responsibility, but sort of like the action itself, because from my end, I feel like they're not doing enough. I definitely agree. I think that's just it, isn't it? An apology is not good enough in 2021. We don't want to see words anymore. We want to see action. And I don't feel like TikTok has taken enough action to actually protect black creators in the ways that they're not being recognized on the platform like there's just so many things I feel like they could be doing to try and make make the experience better for black creators um and they're not like why can't they make it that black creators who create dance routines for examples like they get more views if there was like some sort of system where the more times people like watch something that has been adapted from their original work like they can get more views from it, which would give them more exposure. Like that would be amazing because what you do end up having is the popular people like recreating these dance routines and they're getting the millions of views, but the original still being on like a hundred thousand or something, Yeah, um, which is not fair. And I feel like they they could definitely be, they are a tech company. They definitely could find a way to make sure that the people who created certain content are rewarded for their authenticity and their creativity and their innovation. But they're not doing that. I agree. Because I know that we just saw that today that they've launched an initiative called Black Voices. Yeah, so um, TikTok have launched an initiative called Hashtag Black Voices, or the Hashtag Black Voices Challenge, to find Black British TikTokers who are trailblazers. And they're going to select 30 of these trailblazers and give them different opportunities. So whether that's mentoring, educational workshops, um, the opportunities to like mingle with high people like celebrities and influencers. 
Um, and I think that's them trying to take a step in the direction of giving black creators an opportunity and rewarding them for the work that they've done. Yeah. And I think, I think that's great, but I just think there's only so much that we can do with these initiatives and these campaigns. Like I feel like more work needs to be focused on the platform itself. This is not to take away from the initiative because I do think that's great and I support it. And as we've seen, like they did it in America following TikTok getting called out for suppressing black creators on that. And I think that's great, but it's sort of like when you do these initiatives and you're not doing anything in the long term, it sort of defeats the purpose. So them doing Black Voices last year in America after suppressing its Black creators, but then in June, Black creators in America then went on a TikTok strike Mm. after you doing your initiative. It's sort of like, okay, well, here you go, take it. We've done something, now leave us alone. But no, the problems are obviously still there. And I I love that now people, or not now, but more so it's common practice to call out these performative actions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'd love to, I hope the initiative came from a good place and I'm sure the person that came up with it, you know, was coming from a good place, but TikTok needs to understand that in its entirety, it is a brand and you can't just have one part of your brand trying to help people, but like your algorithms and your other part of the brand, like shadow banning issues that are important to the black community. Like it just doesn't work like that. You have to ensure that, you know, there's some cohesiveness with your brand. Every single part of it, every fiber of the app needs to make sure it's doing what it can to to uphold minority voices and up minority content. It doesn't make sense if half of it is doing that, but the other half kind of blocking the important content. Exactly. I completely agree with you. So where do you see the future of TikTok as a platform? I think it still has some years left in it. <laughs> I think it can continue being the success it is. I think the amount of variety on TikTok is just what makes it so amazing. Like you can Mm. do absolutely anything. You can be a comedian. You can be into beauty. You can be into your kids. Just not just, but like, you know, living your life as a parent, a teacher, like anything can blow up on TikTok. And I just love how it's the ordinary daily things that are just interesting. Yeah. And I think... It'll be interesting to see because one of TikTok's best features, which is the fact that people can take a sound or an idea that someone's created and manipulate it and make it, create it, creating like so many different versions and iterations of that in a fun way is one of its best features. But at the same time, that could be its downfall. Yeah. Because if people aren't properly credited, people are going to be like, well, I don't want to put my originality and my content on a platform just for it to be stolen, taken by someone else and see them reap all the success and benefits so it will be really interesting to see if tiktok will be able to get a handle on that side of things and find a way to make people feel seen through their creations and innovation and i've seen conversation and i've seen people saying well you know there are black people that work in technology why don't we create our own platform with Mm -hmm. its own tech and make sure that our voices and our content is prioritized and whether we'll start to see that happen with a lot of these platforms in the upcoming years will be interesting um, or whether TikTok, yeah, or whether TikTok can actually find a resolution to keep its creators happy. I think if it can do that, it will do well. Yeah, I agree because I think a lot of platforms do forget that the people carrying your platform, the people that are making your platform so successful, and mm. 
are retaining the audience on the platform are black creators and i think as we've seen with new platforms like you said earlier um with clubhouse i think that's such a good example because we saw how much black creators maintained its cultural relevance and as soon as they felt like they were being mistreated or they no longer wanted to produce content on clubhouse look at the numbers the numbers are absolutely low like it's ridiculous how much it it has dropped and I think that is a prime example of why you need to cater to your black creators because Because they hold so much power they really they hold the engagement Um, and like we said earlier if you look at someone like Ashley Louise who's a famous moderator on Clubhouse the numbers of Clubhouse had dropped but when she jumped back on Clubhouse to do her Love Island series um, to discuss each episode after every day. The numbers went back up. People were in yeah. those rooms. They were engaging. I hadn't used Clubhouse in like a couple of months, but because I knew she was doing a room, I was there every night. Same. And it was like to the point that she actually decided, okay, let me host a live Love Island event. And that sold out immediately. And I think mm. that's just a testament to like you said, the power that black creators have. And I feel like we're starting to see that spill out onto Twitter spaces. Like I'm starting to see more and more rooms, like, you know, like obviously following Aloni's friend. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that these two Ghanaian creators created a spaces talking about it. And it like the amount of people that jumped into that space, it was just so interesting. And again, with, I don't know if you saw it, Tanya, but there was a space about bins on Twitter. You see, I heard about it. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. So there was a, a a space on Twitter that was about bins and it was just kind of like, this is about council collection (laughs) bin stuff like that stuff that I literally had no business going in. But I think once a lot of like popular faces on Twitter got hold of it, the numbers of that room started going up because everyone went in it initially thinking, oh, this must be a joke. But it was actually a serious conversation about local councils and bins. And like, it was just interesting to see how so many people initially went there like to make fun of it. But then so many people stayed because they were actually getting engaged in the conversation. And a lot of these people were coming from Black Twitter, which then boosted the room's numbers. And I think people just, they underestimate how much of an influence black communities online have on wider Mm. culture and I think it's just so interesting and I think if everyone was to leave TikTok all the black creators were to leave TikTok I'm really I would really be intrigued to see how it would fare without its black creators honestly yeah me too like that period of the black TikTok strike and seeing people trying to come up oh my God. with dance routines to make the stallion's new song. Was it, was, it was very interesting and very telling. And it's like, wow, they weren't gone that long. Honestly, but that was, was like only a few days and the dances that we saw were absolutely awful, if I'm being honest. They were awful. And I just think it, what made me laugh even more is also when you know, some of the black creators were joking and they did like little joking dances. And I just thought that's even better than what some of these creators are coming up with. <laughs> like... Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's, it's crazy. Although, did you see that people um, in the end, apparently black choreographers actually did start creating the dance, but they put it under a different sound so that main audiences couldn't find it and steal it. Ooh. 
conniving so like, like that I know very smart very, <laughs> very smart. smart indeed <laughs> I love that yeah but to round up this episode what are three things that you'd want to tell brands when it comes to working with black creators on TikTok I would tell brands one when you do work with black creatives allow them to be authentic Like, don't try and micromanage their creative process and make them do it how you think it should be. Like, allow Mm. them to have creative control because that's what got them to where they are. Allow them to bring in that creativity and innovation into the process. I would also say show them value. Like, people these days aren't just going to be like, wow, X big brand wants me and I'm going to do it for exposure or for little to no money. Like, don't know. That's not what people want. We want to be valued. Um, So show them value. Show them value through their pay. Show them value through the amount of resource and time and budget that you put behind the campaigns that you're putting them in. Mm. And understand the power that you hold in terms of opportunities. And by giving these Black creatives, who rightly so deserve it, the opportunity to be included in these campaigns. It can open so many doors for them. And I think there needs to be that awareness there that you have a responsibility to help these people who are talented because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Oh, and last one to brands, check your bias. <laughs> check your bias throughout the whole process. You might not, under, you might not see it um, and it might, just, it might be unconscious bias even, but just, you know, who are the teams that are working on these projects? Are they thinking outside of the box? Not even really outside of the box, but are they are they doing the right research? Are mm. they seeing who the originators of these challenges are? Well, thank you, Tanya. My last question to you is just to like end on a lighter note is who are some of your favourite TikTok creators? Ooh, Victor. Oh, I love him. I love him so much. He just makes me laugh. Like, he's I don't so know, he's funny. just so, like, lighthearted. Um, Caboodle, my noodle. Oh, my gosh. She's so funny. He is so funny. Like, I love her. Um, what I have to say? He's... Oh, yeah. The classic. Yeah. I just, like, yesterday, I was watching his, you know, the Yemi Alladay. What was the song? You know, uh, where it's like, song. excuse me, miss... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> but yeah, shout out to all the Black British UK TikTokers. You guys are killing it. It's your moment. <laughs> it really is. And I just want to say as well, I mean, I kind of said this earlier, but I think just keep doing you and also continue to work with your friends. Like, don't force working with people you've, you never really worked with like I feel like this generation know in themselves that the best content is working with people that they know or that they're used to or that they're friends with but um thank you Tanya so much for coming on today's show thank you for having me of course it's absolute pleasure and I just hope you know we'll see some changes in the future because something needs to give I'm tired Once again, thank you to everyone who tuned in. If you liked today's episode or even this entire season, then make sure to get involved in the conversation and follow us for more information on Instagram at Cork Studio. 
that's it for now but we'll be back soon with another lineup of guests and more insightful conversations until then as always see you later and stay blessed